Good morning. How's everybody doing today? From my vantage point, like I say, you're, you're looking pretty, pretty straight here, so uh, I will try to, try to tilt my head the other way to see you. We do welcome you back to Alger Assembly of God, and we welcome you back to the series we began last week, His Name Shall Be. We talked about how important names are, and we talked about certainly many individuals and, and the value of their name. So much so that people will change their names or maybe go by a middle name or, or a, get a nickname, and those names represent who we are. So we talked about certainly uh, uh, Autumn and, and Brooklyn last week and, and the fact that we enjoyed, we liked the sound of that name. Now, some of you named children perhaps by meanings. Uh, how many of you, uh, you didn't just look through a book as to what sounded good, but you actually, you were looking for the meaning and you wanted to name your, your son or your daughter a particular name based on what it meant. Some of you did that, okay? Now, we did not do that. Here, here's the interesting thing. We did not do that with our daughters. We did that with our dog. Hear me out. Autumn in Brooklyn was more about the sound of the name, right? It, it's just, we, we liked Autumn Rose, and we liked Brooklyn Grace. It, it, it rolled off the tongue. We thought that went well with Andreason. And, uh, you know, what the meaning of the name was, that, that was nice too. Now, when it came to uh, this, this fluffy little furball, when you name a puppy or you name a cat, you name some kind of an animal, uh, sometimes certainly it's about the name and, and does it sound good? Does it sound cool? Does it sound like that appropriate dog or, or animal name, and sometimes you want something that fits who that individual or who that pet is. So we had this little, this fluffy fur ball, and what we said was that night that we'd gotten him, we're not going to, um, to name him immediately. And we had all kinds of names kind of being tossed around, and, and uh, you know, mom and dad, we'd, we'd come up with some ideas for Autumn in Brooklyn. And, uh, but we weren't going to kind of toss them out immediately. We said, let's, let's just kind of see what fits. And so that first night, no names. And we were really going to wait maybe a, a handful of days. But I think it was pretty much that second day, everywhere we went, this little dog would follow. If we went from one room to the next, he was at our feet and following us to the next room. He was never alone. We were never alone. He literally was our shadow. And that became his name. This little furry, fuzzy fellow, shadow, seems appropriate. So for our, our daughters, it was, this sounds nice. For our dog, it was, this is really who he is. Now, as we're looking at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it's a prophecy 700 years or so before the birth of Jesus Christ. It's a fairly familiar verse of Scripture. It's one that we hear quite a bit during the Christmas season. Certainly, Matthew and Luke's gospel give us uh, the, you might call it the Christmas story. You might call it that, that birth of Jesus Christ and Joseph and Mary and wise men and shepherds and, and all that goes along with that. This year, we're taking a look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and that is the theme of our study, the theme of our series, 
So let's read that for you. And uh, each week we're looking at a different name of Jesus Christ. So Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years before he was born in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So last week we covered Wonderful Counselor. He's that counselor. He's that individual we've got to know and trust, be honest, and listen to his voice. And, oh, by the way, do what he says. This morning we come to what you and I certainly need. So many individuals need him as our mighty God. It's one of the things, one of those names, one of those titles of who Jesus would be Isaiah prophesying and calling him God, calling him a powerful and a mighty God, overcomer, one who would lead us to victory. Jeremiah, very next prophet in chapter 32, verse 17, reads like this, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Maybe we need to, to say that and repeat that and understand that. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. Now say it as if you mean it. Nothing. Nothing is too hard. Nothing is too difficult. Nothing is impossible with God and His mighty power. He is the mighty God. Maybe you've come to church this morning like your pastor with some needs. You've come with some issues. You've come with some problems. Now, maybe your back isn't out. Maybe you're not leaning like a, um, oh, I don't know, a, a slash mark, backslash. Back I'm, I'm crooked. Maybe that's not you this morning, but you've got other needs in your life. Maybe you've come with some other physical needs. You've come with some financial needs. You've come with some relational, some spiritual, mental, relational, emotional, whatever it is you've brought in with you, and you would say, I need to rely upon this mighty God, for nothing is impossible. Nothing is too hard. Nothing is beyond him. You ever encounter a situation and you felt like, yeah, I got this one. It's good. I got it. I can handle it. But then maybe you faced something else and you said, there's no way I can handle this. There's no way I can meet this need. I want to assure you, I want to encourage all of us this morning that nothing that we face is too hard, is too difficult is too out there for our God. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how crooked you feel, no matter how big the need, nothing is too difficult for our God. In Bible college and in theological language, there's a handful of terms that they would use to refer to God. 
ones that no doubt you've heard. The fact that God is omniscient. God is all-knowing. Now, you might think your spouse is omniscient. You might think your spouse is all-knowing. You might think that they can read your mind. And you know what? Many times they can. But God truly is the omniscient, all-knowing. He knows our thoughts, our fears, our, our dreams. He knows the, the very deepest, darkest recesses of our life. God is powerful in His all-knowing. God's omnipresent. In other words, He's everywhere at the same time. Now, that, that weirds us out a little bit because, you know what, there, there's just one of us, and if we're here, we can't be there. And if we're there, we can't be here. So let me just ask, how many of you are here this morning? Now, you think you're here, but I think you're there because I'm here. It's kind of confusing once you start thinking about it. But for you or me, here or there, we're in one place at one time, and it's sometimes boggling our mind to think, God can be with you just as God is with me. In every situation that we're facing, we don't go through them alone. It's not just that He knows all about what we're facing. He's omnipresent, all-present with us. And He's not just all-knowing and He's not just all-present. It's another omni-word that's talked about with God, and that's really where we're going this morning. He is omnipotent, all-powerful. Everybody, put your fist up and, and, and try to emphasize this bump on your arm that many years ago, some of us might have had something. We, we, got, a, we got a handful here that, that might show something right now. I'm, I'm looking at you. <laughs> yes, that, that, that bump, that, that bump is on the bottom now, Mel says. I, I like that. So just get that fist up and, and try to show that biggest, strongest muscle that you have. No matter how much we try and, and pose and, and the strength we try to give, it's limited, right? We're limited in our strength. There's only so much we can handle. And apparently, after getting rear-ended by a vehicle and sitting in in, in a, a small rental vehicle for this six-foot-plus frame, it was probably not the wisest thing for me to then go bowling with our area ministers last week. So the power that God has, God could do all of that. Me with back problems, probably not the wisest. We think we've got the strength. We think we've got the power. We think we can handle what comes our way. But with God, we know that we can. He is the one that is all-powerful. Nothing is too difficult. Nothing is too hard. Nothing is too massive for Him. He is not just a wonderful counselor. He is a mighty God. So maybe you're sitting, which along with me, you're sitting this morning, and maybe you're reflecting on your week. Maybe you're reflecting on your month, or you're reflecting on your 2018. We're, we're getting towards the end of the year, and many times uh, we tend to think and we tend to reflect on what things are like, and you, 
Maybe you look at the fact and say, it's been a tough year. Maybe you've faced a lot. Maybe you're still facing a lot and you don't feel like you've got the strength to face what you're facing. I want to encourage us this morning that we serve a powerful and a mighty God. I want to assure you that God is working. I want to assure you that God is real. I want to assure you that God is a mighty and a powerful God. First of all, let me say this. This mighty God that we serve, He is working in us. He's working in you. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says, It is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. God's at work in us. He's at work in you and in me to will and to act. But we don't really like the rest of that phrase sometimes. According to His good purpose. We would rather that that says, God is at work. God's power is at work in you doing everything you want, and then some, providing everything you desire, and then some. Sometimes He does. But God's Word says it's to will and to act according to His good purpose. God's at work in our hearts. God's at work in our lives. He's working in us, but it's for His honor, His glory, His purpose. Even in the, in the midst of some of the challenges and struggles and difficulties that we face, God doesn't necessarily cause them all, but God can use them for His honor, His glory, His purpose. We would rather not. I would rather not sit in front of you and preach this morning. I would rather not be the leaning tower of Pastor Mark. I would rather not have some back pain this morning. Does that mean that life serving God is perfect? Any of you ever found that to be the case? No, no hands raised. Me neither. Life's not necessarily perfect, but we have that wonderful counselor. We have that mighty God who walks with us and is at work in us. We can be assured of that this morning. I know some of the situations and, and some of what's taking place in your hearts and in your lives and in your families. Certainly, there's even more than that that we don't always know. But we can be assured of the fact God is working in us. It's for His honor. It's for His glory. It's for His purpose. His power is at work in us to, to change us and to transform us to be more like Him. God can use many different things to achieve and to accomplish that. Sometimes it's, it's to take us maybe from being more self-centered to Christ-centered or others-centered. <laughs> I just said scented. Some of you looking around, you might not want to be others-centered, but maybe others-centered. Let's, let's do that. Maybe you look around, you think, Man, everybody else is getting the breaks. This other person's getting healed. 
This other person seems to have the provision. This other person doesn't seem to face all the hardships and difficulties that I am. Maybe you look around and you're finding someone who's just got life perfect. You ever have someone like that? No matter what it is that, that we go through and face, know that God is with us. Know that God is working in us. It is God's mighty power at work. Maybe think that God's forgotten you. Maybe think that, that God's overlooked you. You've been, you've been praying. You, you've been praying on a regular basis. God heal. God bless. God provide. God direct. God this. God that. And it seems as if God's not listening or God's answering, but he must have been making a mistake because those answers seem to get bumped over to somebody else in your family, somebody else in your job, somebody else in your community, somebody else in your school. And you say, God, what about me? Maybe you're wondering, you're saying, God, are you really working? The answer is yes. God is at work in you in me to will and to act according to his good purpose. But not only is he working in us, secondly, he's working for us. He's working for you, for me as a mighty God. Now, sometimes this is easier to see as you look back. You ever done that? Maybe you pause and, and you look back at your life, you look back at your week, your month, your year, and you realize, you recognize, here's what God was doing on my behalf. At the time, you don't understand it. At the time, you thought nothing was happening, and then things start happening. God was not just doing something in us, but He was doing something for us, working on our behalf, healing bodies, providing finances, giving guidance and wisdom and direction. God is working for us. Familiar passage of Scripture in Isaiah 40, verse 29 and following reads like this, God gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But they that wait upon the Lord will what? Renew their strength. God's working for you. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. It says, even youths grow tired and weary. Even those who seem to be in good shape Olympic athletes, world-class athletes, even they sometimes go through physical troubles. Sometimes the, the best of the best, the brightest of the brightest, those who seem to have it all together struggle. They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. Tired, weary, with any number of different situations, physical, financial, emotional, spiritual, relational, they that wait upon the Lord will renew, shall renew their strength. 
there's a promise, there's an encouragement to you and to me. We can trust Him. He's at work in us, but He's also at work for us. The Apostle Paul, boy, he faced some difficulties. You read through Scripture, you see some of the accounts, you see some of the challenges, you see all that his physical body went through for the cause of Christ. He was persecuted in many cases. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he, he wasn't talking about the persecution, he wasn't talking about the beatings and being left for dead, but he was pleading with the Lord for something. 2 Corinthians 12 verses 9 and 10 The Lord's response to him was like this. My grace is sufficient for you. It's for you. He's not just working in us, but it's for us. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power, his power, he says, is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. He's working in you. Guarantee it. He's working for you, working on your behalf. Trust in Him. And finally, this morning, as a mighty God, He is working through you, through you. He said, what? Me? Little old me? How in the world could God use me? Maybe that's a lot of what Joseph and Mary might have said in this Christmas season. We often reflect a lot upon them. Weren't necessarily the, the highest of the high, the, the most wealthy or educated. They weren't the upper crust of society. They were average, everyday individuals, and God chose to use. God was working through them. You say, well, how in the world could God use me? God empowers you. He empowers me. Listen to what Acts chapter 1 verse 8 has to say. No, No doubt you've heard or maybe even have memorized God's Word. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He says, you'll you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts, the ends of the earth. What He was desiring to do through His disciples, He desires to do through you and through me. God wants to use us. It's His mighty power in us and for us and through us to use us for His honor and His glory. You might not have reverend in your name. You might not have a master's or doctorate or degree in theology or from a Bible college or university, but guess what? You're a minister of the gospel. It's not just that God's at work in you and for you. God's mighty power as the mighty God desires to flow through you. 
God wants to use you for His honor and for His glory. Sometimes that means stepping out in faith and going, following that, that nudge, following that leading. We talked last week about the fact that He is the, the wonderful counselor and we're to listen to His voice. We looked at a, a number of ways that we can listen to His voice outside of that audible, out loud, tangible voice. It'd be great if we heard that every single day. We maybe received just like that a, a call or a voicemail to say, God, this is God. Here's my voice. It'd be great if we had something like that. It'd be great if we received an email or a text postcard, a letter, and we open it up every day. Here's what we are to do. That doesn't always happen. Many times through the, the nudging of the Holy Spirit, that, that prompting, that inner working in prayer and, and in His Word, and, and sometimes confirmed through others and circumstances and situations and leaders and other godly men and women who speak into our lives, God uses many different things to confirm what we are to do. God desires to use you. God desires to use me. We are ministers of the gospel. You might not preach on a weekly basis. I was about to say you might not stand up and preach on a weekly basis, but apparently I don't do that either. <laughs> in your job, in your workplace, standing or sitting, in your school, standing or sitting, in your community, in your family, God can use you. He desires to work through you. Be encouraged by that. You say, who? Me? I want to say, yes, you. God has great things in store, great plans and purposes in store to use you for His purposes. You look back to the Word of God. The individuals that Jesus chose would be curious by maybe our standards or today's worldly standards. Again, much like Joseph and Mary, they were the common, average, everyday individuals, some of whom were not so, not so loved by society. And yet, God chose and selected and trained and equipped and released them in His mighty power. He was working through them. Not only is He the wonderful counselor, He's the mighty God. And I want to reassure us this morning that He, as the mighty God, has power over sickness and disease. There are many bodies in this place that need healing from God. Aren't you thankful as you look to the Word of God and you see miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle? Jesus opened blinded eyes. Jesus made the lame to walk. Jesus, Jesus raised the dead to life. You want to talk about power over sickness and disease, that mighty power is accessible in Him. It wasn't just men. He healed women. 
It wasn't just adults. He healed children. It wasn't just children. He healed adults. It pretty much covers it, right? If you're a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, old or young, guess what? You are a candidate for healing. His mighty power can overcome any and every sickness and disease. Jesus has the power over the events of our day. Various things happen in our culture, in our society, in our nation, in our world, in our own individual lives, our homes, our jobs, our workplace, our family. Jesus has power over each and every event that we face. Look back in the Word of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced a fiery furnace. Quite the situation. He had the power to overcome. How about Daniel in the lion's den? Power to overcome any circumstance or situation. God's the God of history. God is almighty, all-powerful, the mighty God, able to heal and overcome sickness, disease, power over the events of our day, power over Satan and evil. Luke chapter 11, verse 20 through 22 reads like this. This is Jesus. He says, If I am casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For when Satan, who is completely armed, guards his palace, it is safe. Until someone who is stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons, and carries off his belongings." Now, in just a couple of verses, we, we get a couple of pretty powerful thoughts and comments on Jesus. He does say that Satan is strong. So let's, let's not uh, be mistaken and think that Satan is wimpy or the spiritual forces of evil are wimpy. He says, Satan, when he is completely armed and he guards his palace, it's safe. Yes, there is strength in him. But did you listen to Jesus finish that sentence? Until someone who is stronger attacks and overpowers him. Jesus says that's who he is. Wonderful counselor. But he is the mighty God. Yes, Satan is strong, but his strength is nothing when he is in the presence of the Almighty God. When Jesus shows up, He overcomes Satan and evil and takes care of business. No matter what it is that you're facing this morning, we're seeing He's got power over sickness and disease. He has power over the events of our day. He has power over Satan and evil. He has power over death. Even death is not a problem for the Almighty God. 1 Corinthians 15, we read this. When this happens, when our perishable earthly bodies have been transformed into heavenly bodies that will never die, then at last the Scriptures come true. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. How we thank God who gives us victory over sin and death 
through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yeah, that, that's my B. Play along with me. Use your imaginations, okay? So imagine you've got the bee buzzing around you. We don't necessarily like bees. They sting. In some cases, maybe you might be allergic and there's this reaction. There's a, a sting associated with it. But after that sting is gone, that bee is gone. Basically, that's what Paul's writing. Where in the world, death, hell, and the grave, where is your sting? That's all you've got. Because the mighty God has overcome. He's overcome death and hell and the grave and the enemy. He's overcome the circumstances and the situations that you and I face. Able to overcome the physical, the financial, the relational, the emotional, the spiritual. Jesus is the mighty God. As Jeremiah said, you've made the heavens, you've made the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing, nothing, nothing is too hard, too difficult for you. 